0: verses 31 to 35. Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 to 35. Then Jesus told them, this, is, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Go to verses 55 to 58. 55. In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. Verses 69 to 75. Verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them. I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitter, bitterly.
1: Good evening everyone. Okay, let me just. Uh... There you go. Uh, we just read uh, the scriptures. that is the word of the Lord. Praise, Praise be to God. God. Children, you are dismissed to your Sunday school classrooms. Uh, Sunday school teachers, thank you very much for your help. Um, Let's all open up in a word of prayer before we uh, unpack what we just read. Father, we thank you for your sovereignty, Lord God. Your powerful and sovereign hand allowing us to be able to meet here tonight, Lord God. To safely arrive here. We thank you for the songs that uh, you provided for us and the people, the instrumentalists, the singers, Lord God, that we're able to serve you and serve us, Father, to prepare, prepare our hearts. We thank you for this building that you provided for us, Lord God. And we thank you that we're able to gather without fearing for our lives. Now, Father, we ask for your guidance. May you send your Holy Spirit to teach us and open our hearts and open our minds And give us anointing, Father, give us the wisdom so that we will hear and understand whatever it is that you want us to to know, accept, and believe. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Uh, Forgive us, Lord, don't let our inadequacies, Lord God, uh, hinder you from speaking to us. We pray now, Lord, for those who are physically sick and those are, and the other ones that are spiritually sick, Father, we pray for their healing. We pray for restoration for broken relationships and salvation for the lost. Father, will you bless my preparation, Lord God, and at the same time, Father, speak through me once again. We ask all these things in your sweet and mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. We're still in our um, God's Love series, and we just read Matthew, the account of Peter, uh, Peter denying Jesus. So, um, In the God's Love series, we've been trying to um, emphasize the love of God. And if you're getting tired of it, we have tonight and another Sunday about hearing about God's love for us. And I don't think anybody should be tired about it, right? The more I I study about God's love, the more I question, the more I hear myself questioning Him, why, Lord? Why do you love us so much? You know, God already knew, right? God already knew from the very beginning. And He told His disciples what was going to happen and what we just read. Peter, with his love for the Lord, professed his love for Jesus by saying the most classic and romantic way between friends, over my dead body. Do you have friends like that that would say, I'll take a bullet for you, or like this, right? Now, the true sign of love and commitment between friends in in a time of battle is that when another takes a bullet for their friend, right? This usually happens for husband and wives, but it's somebody serves the bullet (laughs) to shoot the other one. (laughs) Now, but this is a heroic picture for Peter. Peter was trying to profess his love for the Lord. Like, I will go with you to the death. Now, we all know, if you read the account before, that Peter failed in his profession. But before we make fun or judge Peter, um, we have to understand that uh, we ourselves, just today, or last week, or this week, or last month, or last year, we have many instances where we have professed love for God Only for us to keep our six feet distancing from Him. We say, here I am, Lord God, use me. Only for us to fall into sin or deny Him of our time. Or or deny Him by carefully not telling anybody that we are Christians. I'm going to make sure I'm going to be discreet about my faith. Did you know that that is denying Jesus? But then despite all that as as you study as you study the word of God you will see that he tells us constantly that he loves us. You know in 1 John in 1 John 1:8 it reads if we claim we have no sin we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Now one factor of us denying or or saying that we don't need God or that we know better is our pride. God already told us in the Bible that there's no way that we can save ourselves, correct? God already told us what's going to happen with our lives. God already told us how this world's going to end. But for some odd reason, the biggest factor is our pride. We think we know better than God. And that's where the struggle is, really. The world thinks that it, it can survive and it is better and it is happier without God. But we can see that the world from from the past until now, has deteriorated the moral compass at least, right? Now our pride, just like Peter, he relied on his strength because that is is what's ingrained in people's hearts. We are all naturally prideful. We don't want to be told that we cannot do something. We don't want to admit that there's no way that we cannot do a certain thing. We'd like to think that we can do all things just by us. We'd like to think that we can love God the way we want to love Him, not the way He wants us to love Him, which is to obey His commands. We think there's some, another way better. There's a better way for us to love Him. Now, if you look at Luke, the verse, verses 31 to 33, um, you see there, he says, Look out, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. This is the same account. This is the same story, but in the account of Luke. Now, Siniazzo, this is the word for to sift. Now, sifting, um, I'll show you, the. it's, it's, it's basically the... the can you show the picture, please, real quick? That's, that's, the, that's the sifter. So the purpose of that is to take out the big pieces and to take the fine things, right? To go fall, because you don't need the, the, the big and the rough and the impure. So that's what Jesus was t- telling, uh, telling Peter. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, to test you, basically. The meaning, the original language, again, is sineadzo, is to shake in a sieve by inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. So, first, there's three observations there. First, us Christians, we have an enemy. Correct? And it's not each other. It's Satan. Satan is our enemy. And his purpose is to seek, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. And in 1 Peter 5.8, Peter wrote there, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Because Peter, before he wrote 1 Peter, experienced it. Jesus warned him. And we get the same warning from Jesus, right? What did he say? In this world, in this life, you will have trouble. Right? So, but... We have embraced the, the prosperity preaching. We have embraced the, the American Christian life where we love God and, and we made it. We're in the promised land and there, there shouldn't be any trouble. And and life of a Christian should just be all happy until we retire and go back to the Philippines and get you know, become better Christians. <laughs> no, but we know we know that in, in this life there is trouble and God already told us that. But for some odd reason, we take it for granted that we have an enemy who's trying to always get us. The enemy's always trying to get us. Now, he doesn't get us by the front, where we think there's a, there's a devil looking like with horns, with a tail, with a f- pitchfork, and trying to tell us, don't go to church, or I'll stab you with my fork. No, he doesn't do it that way. How does he do it? Super Bowl Sunday. Right? Party on a Sunday. The sun is out on Sunday. Windy on Saturday. When are you gonna do? You're gonna go to work on Monday? Party on Sunday. Six feet distancing. Christian, you're gonna go to heaven, but don't die too soon. Stay away from church. Go to work six days a week, right? Now somebody reminded me that I need to express the why when I emphasize about going to church. The emphasis on, on, on why, it's because it's not it's legalism, folks. If you think I'm speaking legalistically when I'm telling you about going to church and becoming faithful, you're wrong. Because legalism is this. When I say you have to go to church or else you lose your salvation, that's me being legalistic. Because salvation has nothing to do with us going to church or not. Salvation has everything to do with us surrend- admitting that we are sinners and admitting that we, don't, we cannot save ourselves and we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the ways of salvation. But if you are truly saved, if you are truly saved, that means you love God, right? You learned about His saving grace, that He loved you. You should develop your love relationship for Him and with Him. And that the best expression of that is, what did Jesus say? If you love me, obey my commands. And one of the commands is that we should gather, continue to gather together. So I'll say it again next time, in case you forget. But that is the why behind whenever we say, come to church. Learn about Jesus. Study His word. Pray to Him. Now, Satan has to ask for permission from God. If you you belong to God, you are his. And the devil cannot do anything to you without asking for God's permission. Now, the devil sends us temptations. Trials, you can see there's temptations, you can see the trials. But the devil's purpose when he sends temptations our way or trials our way is so that he will discourage us and remove us from our faith. Which is why if you see the verse, if you could please go back, Jamie, to the, the verse where uh, Matthew... Where uh, the first one. His purpose is to discourage us. But then God, when He sends trials to us, God's purpose is to strengthen our faith. That's the thing. You know, the devil, Satan, minimizes the sin when he's tempting you, when he's tempting us. He's minimizing it. This is what he's saying. Remember in the garden? He said, Surely you won't die. Right? Oh, it's now or never, Joe. Oh, come on. It's just one time. Oh, come on. It's only $100. It's only five bucks. Oh, it's only 15 miles per hour over. He He minimizes it. Right? When he's tempting us, he's minimizing the sin. But then when we fall, he switches his tone. And what does he do? He condemns us. And he says then, Oh, is that what a Christian is? Christian, Christian. Shame on you. Pastor Kana. Wow, is that what a Christian is? Christian Kapala. Right? Then, then there's that. It he it changes his tone. It's all condemnation from that point. Correct? First, he minimizes, oh, come on, it's nothing, don't worry about it. And then you, you fall, you're like, huh, oh, you're you, you are a hypocrite. You should stay at home and don't even show your face at church because you have not changed. That's what Satan that's what Satan does. And he we have an active enemy. He is active. Church. I don't know what else to tell you. He's constantly going after you. If you think otherwise, that's your first uh, mistake. The devil's first lie is to make people think, make the world think that he doesn't exist. That's his first lie. That's his greatest lie. Now the second observation is that we, we read there that Jesus told Peter. Jesus told Peter, but, and then he said, But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brother. See, Jesus did not pray for Peter not to fall. Do you see that? Because, again, the purpose of, of the enemy is to discourage us when he sends trials and temptations to, our, to us. God's temp- purpose is, When he sends trials, he doesn't send temptations. When he sends trials, is that our faith will be strengthened. And then the most encouraging part there is Jesus prayed for Peter. You know, it's the same thing for us. Jesus is praying for us actively right now. He is praying. He is seated at the right hand of God praying for us. Trials come our way, and unfortunately, more than we would like to admit, we fall into sin. Correct? Jesus intercedes for us. He prays for us that our faith will not fail. Why? Because when we sin, Christians, if you, accept, if you have accepted Christ, you do not lose your salvation. What we lose is our joy. When we fall, we lose our joy, and then we feel so unworthy of Jesus Christ. And that, that's the prayer of G- Jesus for Peter, that your faith will not fail. Now look at Matthew 26, um, 57 to 58. Can you go there, please? There you go. Um, those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had convened. Peter was following him at a distance right to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting with the servants to see the outcome. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. Now how many times today or this week did you distance yourself from God? Whether it's through our action or inaction, whether it's with our words or lack of words. Brothers and sisters, just like Peter, this must not be. Now, there's a certain grieving here for me with with Peter. Peter was was observing. He was observing from a distance. But yet before that, he said, Lord, I will die for you. I would go to prison and death for you. But then when he got real, when he got real, Peter was quick to distance himself from Jesus. Does Does that happen to us too? We say, I love Jesus, I love God. We put it on our social media. We, we tell everybody. And then we say, oh, there's this thing for Jesus. And you're like, Ugh, no, not this weekend. Were we talking about money when he said that? Maybe Pastor Joe misread the Bible. You know, there's... So we fall. We, we go to the second point. The pain of the fall. Um. Now Peter was sitting outside, and the servant girl. You know Peter was afraid of girls. Apparently, two girls approached him, and he denied Jesus twice. Right? Now, no one likes to be proven wrong. Do you agree? What did you just say? No. Okay. <laughs> no one likes right. No one likes to be proven wrong. Nobody. Everybody. Want, we all want to think we're all right, that we know everything, but when the Bible. When, when the Lord proves that He is right and we are wrong, you know what? If we're all going to be honest, for some odd reason, we don't like it. It doesn't sit well with us if we're really going to be honest. Right? We, we say, I cannot do anything apart from God. And then there's this little problem, this little problem that always keeps happening. And we say, I don't need God on this one. This is so small. As small as I keep losing my keys. You know, you're like, I don't don't need God here. God's too busy for, for me to ask Him for keys. Now, I'm really minimizing it, but there are other things that we think is too small for God or we think is too easy for us. Like obedience. Obedience to His commands. As simple as coming to church on Sunday faithfully. As simple as praying every day. As simple as reading His Word listening to Him, being in His presence, thats simple, simple, which is for our own benefit, we have a hard time doing. Right? And then then God proves Himself correct and that we are wrong when trials come and then we fail and then we say, I don't know what happened. Well, let me tell you what happened. There was no way, just like Peter, there was no way that Peter could have not denied Jesus. There was no way, because Jesus already said, tonight before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You know, God already knew that after we, accept, we have accepted Christ back in when we did it, for me it was in 2001, God already knew that I will continue to sin from 2001 until 2021. That if God already knew that from the moment you accepted Him, it's going to be up and down all the way to heaven until you were with Him. That's why His work is perfect. Why? Why? Because He loves us. Because God loves us that much. Now we take His love for granted. Amen? That's hard to admit. But that is the truth we take him for granted we take everybody else's opinion about us to us to matter more than god himself who truly loves us that cannot ma- n- nobody can match his love right we've been discussing this for the past 2 weeks right there's no other love here in this world that can match god's love for us there's nobody that can give us the same love that god continues to give us there's no one in this world that will constantly accept us the way god accepts us even at our worst. But then there is that fall. You see the fall, the pain? If you see, he, he went out and wept bitterly. The weeping is a loud cry. Now, if you, don't, if you haven't felt that for God, you haven't really loved God that much. If you haven't had a big regret, with your faith with him and your relationship with him, you haven't really loved him. Because you don't know the extreme of the other. The only for the only reason, the only way that we can know what happiness is, is if we feel sadness. If we know what sadness is, that's when we can we can really know what happy is, correct? Now it's the same thing with our love for God. If we don't know the regret of Denying and failing him, we haven't even really tried to love him. Not much. We just give it enough. You know, if you were, if you, if for the people that drive manual, you never go to your optimum, your fifth gear or your sixth gear. You only go to your third. And you just go, oh. you don't really want to go push it. Because you're like, I don't know, man. I don't, want, I don't want to push it with God because I don't really want to be a missionary. I don't really want to be a pastor. I don't really want to be like a fanatic of Jesus. I just want to do enough, right? No. I know, weird. But I'm trying to make you guys picture it. Just there on the third, enough. No one likes to be proven wrong. but the thing is why does God need to prove prove himself to us all the time you know why because we insist on knowing better than him we insist to know better with the things that how things should go we tell God Lord this is how it should go did you hear my prayer was that clear I mean I was at the prayer meeting with the people with 60, 60 people there, did you hear my prayer? I want it this way, Lord. And then God proves us wrong. Because we've been praying about for a certain relationship and God didn't give it to us. And then all of a sudden we're just like, man, I'm upset with you, Lord. And then we realize that we have an idol. We have someone else that was more important than God. And then we feel the pain, the regret, the sin, and then we're... Depressed. Now if you if you read Psalm fifty one, twelve to thirteen, restore me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit, then I will teach wrongdoers your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. David knows something about the guilt. This is David who after the fall with Bathsheba, after Nathan called him out. He wrote this. So he knows about the guilt about him failing his god about failing his loving god and because he knows god loves him it will also be god to restore him his joy see he didn't ask for happiness because he knows happiness is temporary but he said joy and he asked god to remove the guilt now when we have fallen i know i've discussed this before when we fall into sin we have this thing that we think our standards are higher than God when we say, I know God has forgiven me, but I cannot forgive myself. Wow. Galing, right? Your standards are higher than God all of a sudden because God said, I have forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins yesterday, your sins today, your sins tomorrow. God has forgiven it, but when we fall, we're so good to feel sorry for ourselves. You know, again, there's, there's that holy regret, that holy remorse When you when you say, Lord, I'm sorry, I can't believe that I did that again. But pray like pray like David, Lord, restore me your joy. Help me be reminded of your love for me. Remove the guilt that I am feeling. Because the guilt, the sin, that's what the enemy wants, right? He wants you to feel that, he wants you to stay down. Stay down, you loser. You're inconsistent. You hypocrite. You say you're a Christian, but you live like an unbeliever. Stay down. That's what He wants. He doesn't want us to be used. He doesn't want us to inspire people. He doesn't want us to share the gospel. But you know, our God is a loving God. Amen? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. His love is Jesus Himself. He came down to be the living sacrifice for us. So that our imperfection and the sins that we commit against other people and against Him have been paid. Proverbs twenty-four sixteen reads, The righteous may fall seven times, but still get up. But the wicked will stumble into trouble proverbs fourteen thirty two: the wicked are crushed by disaster but the godly have a refuge when they die and in 2nd Corinthians 4 9 we are persecuted but god does not leave us we are hurt sometimes but we are not destroyed amen amen, amen. that's how good god is that's how loving our god is So we we just need to remind ourselves of His love because when we fall, we stop listening to God. The reason why we fail is because we stop listening to His voice. We stop reading His word. We stop talking to Him. We start spending time with people at church. We stop. That's why we forgot. But then, you see, if you are righteous, meaning you are right with the Lord, and how can somebody be right with the Lord? Only through Christ. So if you belong to Christ, you are righteous. It doesn't your salvation has nothing to do with your emotion oh i love god i must be saved today yeah? if you accepted christ and you're happy yeah, yeah you're saved but it has nothing to do with your happiness i'm depressed i'm depressed nobody loves me but you know did you accept christ yeah god loves you but i'm not happy well, that's fine but you're still saved because our salvation has nothing to do with our emotion and praise god for that amen because if some of us, we're happy at 8 o'clock, we're depressed at 8.30. We're depressed at 9 o'clock. Depressor. We're depressed at 9 o'clock, and then we're dead by 10. <laughs> you know, our salvation, praise God, has nothing to do with us. Amen? It has nothing to do with... This is, this is, this is the other thing, too. He has zero... He has zero need... For us to love God too. Did you imagine that? We love because He first loved us. It was His love to begin with. And it is His love to end it with. Because sometimes we're not being loving to God. But even with that, God loves us. God loves us. That's why, you see. That's why my question is like, Lord, Why? Why? Now, God allows these tests, trials in our lives, not to discourage us, but to strengthen our faith. And when you have turned back, as as Jesus told Peter, when you have turned back, encourage your brothers. Brothers and sisters in Christ, did you sin today? Did you sin this week? Is there a sin that the enemy has been holding against you and you can't seem to shake it off? Look at the words of Jesus. He knew about it. And all the other things that went along with that, the many other sins that you have committed against Him and your neighbors, God has paid for it all. Amen? And if we confess our sins to God and turn away from it, repent, we are to help our fellow believers that have fallen or are falling in the same sin that we have fallen into. That is what it means when you have recovered, help your brothers and sisters. If you have committed abortion in the past, you are the person to talk to the people that are struggling with that thought. If you have committed adultery in the past, you are the same person to advise the brother or the sister that is also contemplating or have fallen into that sin. Are you struggling with gambling and you have recovered from it? You are the same person that needs to talk to a brother or sister who's going through those same struggles. That's what it means. Now God's love restores. Amen. God's love restores. In John 21, 12 to 17, it reads, Come and have breakfast. Jesus told them, None of the disciples dared ask Him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. In verse 15, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Now, this is the account after the resurrection, right? Jesus went to Peter because Jesus knew one of the people that is truly regretting His sin was Peter, right? So Jesus went to Peter, and then when they recognized it was Jesus, Peter put on his clothes and jumped to the water and then swam to Jesus. And then Jesus restored him with these questions. Now, back in the days, I guess maybe up to now, when somebody's depressed, they go fishing. (laughs) Because that's what Peter did. He went fishing. He went back to his old ways. You know, sometimes when we fall into sin, we go back to our old ways. We find the way that used to comfort us. We find the way that the way we used to escape our problems. We some of us go back to drinking, smoking, you know, whatever, fishing, basketball, maybe I don't know, something that used to release your problems, just to run away from everything. The other thing that we do when we sin is that instead of running to God, we tend to run away from God. We tend to run away from church, from His people, and anything and everything that has to do with God, we stay away from it. Now, Jesus went to Peter, and then you see the account there, they, they caught a lot of fish. And this was the account, the few verses before this, this was the only account where the nets did not break. If you look at when they, whenever they caught fish, the nets broke. This was the only time that their nets didn't break. And if you saw Jesus' question there, do you love me more than these? Because sometimes, sometimes God will ask us. Because we'll go back to our old ways, right? And then God will, sit, God will question us. Do you love me more than that? It could be your business. All of a sudden they start flourishing and then money is just right there. Right, And then God will ask you, do you love me more than money? You prayed about your family, and He restored it. He gave you back your son, your daughter, your wife. And God will ask, do you love me more than them? Because sometimes the idols will arise in our prayer life. Whatever you're praying for constantly, that, becomes, that is somewhat of an idol. And then when your prayer is answered, the question from Jesus always comes, do you love me more than them? Now the question, the love there, for those of you who already know, the three times he was asked there, two of them, Jesus asked, do you agape me, Peter? And both, Peter answered, I phileo you. Now the difference, right, is agape is godly love, phileo is brotherly love. Now, in First Peter, in First Peter 5, 5, in the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, that's why on the third account, the third time Peter answered, he grieved and he said, Lord, you know everything. Because he probably remembered like, oh my gosh, hold on, wait a minute. Jesus keeps asking me over and over and I'm insisting again that I do love him. And then he and then he probably realized like wait I'm being I'm being too proud again. I'm being too proud again. And then for Peter to write on First Peter, can somebody guess what the second book is of Peter? Second Peter, right? Okay. <laughs> first Peter and then Second Peter. Well the no, first Peter, Peter says, Hey, God resists the proud. Peter, the the, the fisherman Peter, the very confident Peter, right, now realizes that he needs to be humble. Now, humility is very elusive, correct? Because once you think you have it, you just lost it. Correct? I'm proud. (laughs) Oh, no, wait, I'm humble, right? So so there was no way. Peter learned this lesson on the third answer, in my opinion. He just said, Lord... I have nothing. I don't know better than you. You know all things. Right? In, in a way, Peter is saying, I'm acknowledging that you know all things, Lord. And I'm acknowledging that, that I could fail, despite my good intentions, to love you and to live for you. But Lord, I hope that somewhere in my heart you will see that I love you. But Peter, God, God loved Peter just as much as God loves us. You know, when, when you fall, you know, when, when, we, when we sin against God and you know the deep truths about God, right? You've been living for Him. You've been walking the straight and narrow ever so closely, and then you fall carelessly because, you know, you just weren't being careful. The feeling of that regret is like you want to crawl out of your skin. You want to take your skin out, right? You want to be somebody else. Like, ah, I want to live in a different city. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe. Right? I mean, imagine Peter. He walked with Jesus. He saw Jesus heal the sick. He saw Jesus raise the dead. He saw Jesus make the leper better. Heal the leper. Make the paralyzed walk. He, made, he saw Jesus and Jesus made him walk on water. Only for him to deny knowing Jesus. Nobody asked him, you, you know Jesus, and therefore you should be crucified. There was nothing like that. They just said, you, you, you know him. You're homies with him. No, I'm not. I don't know him. And then starts cursing. I don't know the man. You know, sometimes, unfortunately, that happens to us. And why does that happen? Because the opinions of people matter to us more than the opinion of God about us. We don't want to share the gospel because we don't want to be ridiculed. We don't want to be called Christian because we just cursed earlier. Because we're the grumpy supervisor at work. And we don't want people to know that we're Christians or else they'll take advantage of us. (laughs) They're going to keep asking for the days off. (laughs) You would not want to tell them. 1 Peter 5, 8, 10. Again, we're we're reading 1 Peter because this is Peter after being restored, right? Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. And in verse 10, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore Establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To Him be dominion forever. Amen. Peter penned his experience. And he learned from his fall. He has zero confidence in himself. Gone is the boasting over my dead body lines. That guy is no longer there. But it was a guy who said, to God of all grace, and reminds all of us that it is Christ who restores, it is Christ who establishes, it is Christ who strengthens us, and it is Christ who supports anyone who have suffered. It is God who, who sustains us. Amen? Now, P- Peter fulfilled what Jesus commanded him to do, which is to feed God's sheep. He learned from his lesson he learned from his mistake first Peter 4 8 above all maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins Peter knows about God's love amen why because he failed big failure he denied Jesus three times and then Jesus went to him weeks after many days after he resurrected Jesus went to him and restored him because Jesus knew what he was going through Peter knows about God's love and the intensity of that love because he did he did the ima- unimaginable denying his lord who took care of him revealed to him that he is the son of God walked on water with him seen him do many miracles Knowing all these meant that Jesus knew everything that Peter has said in secret and thought of. Imagine that. God knows everything that we are, have thought of or are thinking. God knows all of that, but yet still, God says, I love you. The things that we don't want anybody to know. God knows that. And God says, I love you. Peter Peter knows the love because he failed big time. Do you know what real love is between the married people here? Do you know when you really love your spouse? Do you know when? Do you know how? It's when they have committed the worst thing. The thing that you said if this happens, I'm done. That. If they have done that and if you have done that to them and they still love you, that's Real love. That's real. <laughs> okay, don't hurt each other right now. <laughs> but, no, but that's real love. You don't know what real failure is until you really tried, right? And you don't know what real love is until you really failed. Until you really got hurt. And Peter knows it. Peter blew it big time. But yet God still went to him. Jesus still said, I'm going to use you. Do you know that Jesus says the same thing to all of us? I'm going to use you. You will be my vessel to spread the gospel, the good news, to share my love to other people. The people that are not feeling loved, you can share to them about my love. I will use you in the most simplest way, just by opening your mouth and then witnessing. Witnessing is just saying what you have seen it's just saying what you have seen. God's not asking for an attorney. You don't have to be God's attorney. What God is saying, He needs you as His witness. So now I know it's hard. It's hard, especially if we think we did it all, right? I don't know, Pastor. I don't know if there's anything that I can share about God because I have been in school. I've done all these great things and I continue. I'm consistent. It's really me. Right? Maybe. Maybe we start thinking that it is us. That's why we stop glorifying God with our words, with our actions, with our lives. Maybe because that's why, that's probably why we don't have any testimonies coming up at church. Because when I ask people to come give testimonies, it's like, it's a struggle, it's hard. I feel like God's not answering people's prayers. I feel like it's, hard. it's so hard to ask for testimonies because it's, nobody wants to share because we're more concerned about our accent, about our, our, our delivery. We're not concerned about what we're saying. When we say, I'm glorifying God and what He's done to my family, don't you think that's the most important thing? <laughs> I think so. But we're, we struggle to glorify God. We struggle to glorify God in church and at work. Oh, pastor, you know, you know sooner God's will and God's time. That's like seven years already. I've been a pastor for seven years. Some of you are still telling me in God's time. What if God calls me next month? <laughs> in God's time? When is God's time? <laughs> no, no, no. Peter knows about God's love because he failed big time. Right? That's why some of us, we love our parents so much. Because our parents accepted us and loved us constantly, even though we constantly failed them, right? And our family, our children, our children loves us despite the fact that we failed them many times too. It's the opposite, right? Our families, they accept us. And you know, God constantly, He knows all the evil things you've done, all the evil things you've said, all the evil things you've thought of. But still, God says, I love you. In 1 John four seventy-eight, 8 it reads beloved let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love 1 Corinthians 13:4-8 this is not for just weddings this is way above weddings love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen? Amen? Now, if your love is pure, then you have God's love. And pure love is patient. God's love is kind. God's love does not envy now, you have to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 again in a different light. It's not, you know, memory of your wedding. It, it has to be with God, what God really means about what love is. Now, in August, on August 16, 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed just after taking off from the Detroit airport, killing 155 people. One survived, a four-year-old from Tempe, Arizona, named Cecilia. When re- rescuers found Cecilia, they did not believe she had been on the plane. Investigators first assumed that Cecilia had been a passenger in one of the cars on the highway onto which the airliner crashed. But when the passenger register for the flight was checked, there was Cecilia's name. Cecilia survived because even as the plane was falling, Cecilia's mother, Paula... Chichan, unbuckled her own seatbelt, got down on her knees in front of her daughter, wrapped her arms and body around Cecilia, and then would not let her go. Nothing could separate that child from her parents' love. Neither tragedy nor disaster, neither the fall nor the flames that followed, neither height nor depth, neither life nor death. Now God's love is the same. You know we all deserve eternal fire. But God took God took all of that. The whip, he broke his body for us. He put on they put on that the crown the crown of thorns for us. He went on the cross for our sins, not not his. It's ours. That's how much he loves us. So the next time you're having a bad day and you think God doesn't love you, look at the cross. The next time you think nobody loves you, look at the cross because God says, I constantly I'm seeking for you, I'm constantly wanting you, I'm constantly in love with you. Despite your failure, despite your constant failure, I still love you. God's love, I believe we must God's love, I believe, we must emphasize, we must emphasize it as an active love. It's a tangible love. And it's an action-oriented love. His love wasn't empty. His love was just empty words. He acted on it. He died on the cross. He came down. He suffered. It's, 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 a, it's a verb. Love, the word, is, is love, the verb. So it's an action-oriented love. Love also is a choice one has to make. Not so much a feeling we choose to have. Now is there any greater love than the one that was di- displayed on the cross? Now the opposite of love is not hatred <laughs> because in hatred there are at least some emotions but the opposite of love is indifference. We don't care who are you indifference. If we are to teach about God's love, we should focus on what God does more than what God feels. Not that God doesn't feel love for us, but God's feelings, God's feeling love for us was not enough to save us. It was God's love that cost Jesus His life. Amen? And that cost must be acknowledged with the expressed desire that we will love one another just as Christ loved us. And that type of love, the agape love, comes with a high price, but a price that is every bit worth it. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. So, if we have, are experiencing God's love, we are to express that love to our to our family, to our spouse, to our fellow church members, to our fellow believers, and to the unbelievers. Amen? Amen? Understand God's love, folks. Despite your failures, God loves you. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Yeah. Father, we thank you for Your message for us, we thank you for your love for us. That never stops, Lord God. You constantly love us, Lord. Despite our failures, Lord God, you're still there for us, loving us. Lovingly waiting for us. Lovingly restoring us. And lovingly giving us the strength to carry on, Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord God. I pray that their hearts will truly know your love, Father. Especially in the time of defeat, Lord. I pray, Father, that you restore them. I pray that you will encourage them. I pray that you will strengthen all of us to live for you and to love you as you have loved us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. 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 Let's all rise for the closing
0: hymn.
1: And if you have any decisions you want to make this evening, if you would like to accept Christ as your Lord, please come up so we can uh, lead you into that prayer. Or if you have any, if you've been coming to this church and you want to become a part of it, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you.